on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, June 28th, closing out June with an LA Galaxy win, 2-1 to over the San Jose Earthquakes. We're going to get you through that game, tell you some of the stats, tell you some of the numbers to tell you whether or not the LA Galaxy are playing well. Maybe they're just surprising some people. We're going to look at all that through 10 games, almost a third of the way through the season. Take a look at that. We have some awards. We have some news. We have some international cops. We have a whole bunch of stuff to get to and talk about. To help me do all that, the panda is back himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Hey, do you think I should re-record that guitar riff that with Michael Araujo that we used to intro the show? Do you think I was a little too heavy on that, or does yeah, that sound okay? Yeah, you, you want to take credit for the premium beat music I paid $60 for? Is that is that where I'm, I'm getting this at? Yeah, I've by the way, there's a bear sneaking up behind you. There always is, and so far he just stays there. I heard, I heard if you just leave him alone, he's a ha- well, he's a happy bear. I think he's wearing a you know a Jonathan Dos Santos jersey, so that's a happy bear right there. That's a good thing. You see, I got the Spanish national team kit on today because of their uh, in honor of their victory in the Euros today and, and extra time. I still think Belgium's going to win the tournament. Uh, I really like Belgium. I like Roberto Martinez, Kevin De Bruyne, of course, Man City guy. Um, Portugal's out. Right, right. No, I mean, today was possibly, and if you haven't been play, paying attention to any of the Euros, um, today was possibly one of the greatest days of soccer in Euros history. Um, just amazing comebacks. By the way, Kevin, both teams, um, let's see, Spain scored first, and or excuse me, Croatia scored first, and then Spain scored three goals, and then Croatia scored two goals in the last 10 minutes to take it to extra time, where Spain scored two more goals. Um, that was interesting. And then you had Spain. You had France and the Swiss, and the Swiss scored the first goal. And then after the Swiss Swiss scored the first goal, then France scored three goals, and then the Swiss scored two goals in the last 10 minutes to take it into extra time, uh, where they then outlasted the world champions um, and uh, and won in penalty kicks. Um, so yeah. yeah, so see, it, it's wide open now for Belgium. They just need to get past Italy, which will be tough. Right. And, and by the way, you know, because Copa America and the Euros have both been delayed a year because of, of COVID and because Gold Cup has expanded a little bit, they have this qualifying uh, games that will be going on this weekend. Do you know there'll be 15 games between July 2nd, which is Friday, July 2nd through uh, the end of next week, July uh, July 11th, when the, the, the Euros end? There'll be 15 top flight international games I mean going on I mean it doesn't if you're a soccer fan it doesn't suck to be a soccer fan right now right I mean you got MLS is back which 
uh, is good and bad, uh, certainly. And then, um, yeah, you have all of the Euros. You have uh, you have uh, the the Copa America as well. So it's it's fun. It's fun to watch. And, and that's just the competitive games because Mexico will be playing uh, Nigeria Saturday at the Coliseum. I don't have ticket sales numbers on those yet, but I've been told that ticket sales are going very well. Good. I think they have to get past 52,000, the largest crowd the Dodgers got, and then it will be the largest game or largest attendance for a music or entertainment or sporting event in Southern California since probably the Rose Bowl of uh, early 2020. Well, uh, it's been, uh, again, it's a great time for soccer right now. There's a lot of stuff, although it is, and, and I think we're seeing this on the on the French side or, or certainly on the Euros is, everybody's tired, Kevin, these condensed schedules. Now all these tournament games and everything that's going on. I mean, we're going to talk about uh, Greg Vanny and the substitutes that he uses and how he's using that and why the San Jose game is such an important template for the LA galaxy to follow, but condensed schedules are going to ruin legs and they make for some sloppy soccer. I don't know if you've seen the own goal stats in the, in the euros, but uh, it was like there were nine own goals uh, in the euros and there were nine combined own goals in all of the euros before that. So well, Taylor Twillman was breaking some of that down and he also credited some of it to the travel. This yeah. is the first Euro where there's been widespread travel. Although, really, I mean, you can go from from Frankfurt to Rome in like 90 minutes. But you do have to get to the airport, get on a plane, do all that stuff. It's not like you set up headquarters in some place for a month. Well, uh, let's uh, first give a shout out to Aaron. Uh, Aaron uh, gave us a $10 super chat and says, Good evening, gents. I was wondering, you're both such handsome chaps, so we know he's lying already. Uh, any yeah. beauty tips for us other middle-aged men? Uh, Kevin, first of all, middle aged, wow. just, I mean, I thought I still feel like I'm 27 there. And so, you know. and, and I'm old, so <laughs> he's, he's got the wrong show. <laughs> he's, I don't know what he's watching, but, uh, it wasn't thing, you know, Aaron, I find, um, you know, a lot of lotion, a lot of, a lot of face lotion helps hopefully reverse some of this sun damage that I have all across my, uh, my forehead. So yeah. Yeah, keep, I've, I, I gave up like 15 years ago, so people can I got tell nothing. I got nothing. Yeah, they can tell. <laughs> exactly. They can tell. No problems. Let's get to the L.A. Galaxy now. Uh, a game against San Jose Earthquakes. Let's start by saying uh, this was an extremely important win, I think, for the L.A. Galaxy. Um, San Jose is a train wreck. So let's throw that out right now. San Jose is a train wreck. Uh, Almeida is on thin ice. I don't think that he'll get fired because of this game, because I don't think San Jose would want to give the L.A. Galaxy credit for for being the last team to sort of beat them and fire them. I think San Jose is a little smarter than that. Um, but, having but his antics on the sidelines, I mean, it, it I, don't, I don't know what was going on there, but that had the clear uh, uh, resonance of a guy who knew it was all over and said, let's have a little bit of fun on our way out the door. He is, he's a character. I've always enjoyed him being a character. He sort of tries to play the supervillain. And I think if he had a better team, his team would be a supervillain, but they're not, they're not good. And it looks at least in the game against the LA galaxy and certainly the game against Orlando, it looks like they've stopped playing for him as well, which is uh, an important sort of puzzle piece to all this. But, um, the, the LA is that Guinness or a rum and Coke, by the way, this is, this is, you know, everybody always set, knows that I love Dr. Pepper. Um, and I've decided that drinking all of my calories with Dr. Pepper is probably not a smart thing to do. So this is iced tea, not, not anything special. Really? It is unsweetened iced tea. I make it myself. It is, it is wonderful. I love it, but the, yeah, just iced tea. There's nothing, nothing special in this. Although I wish there was sometimes not a long Island iced tea, just a regular old black tea, iced tea. That's it. Well, while you're chugging that, I'll remind people that the San Jose win means six points on the road for the galaxy in four days. Yes. That is, uh, yes, it's Vancouver and San Jose, San Jose, it's a rivalry game, but still, it's six points on the road. It doesn't happen very often in MLS. No, and if I four were, days, 
and if I remember correctly, I, I might have a chart on the away points. And if I don't, I'll I'll grab it or I'll look it up here real quick. I'm pretty sure the LA Galaxy have surpassed all of their 2020 away points. Um, I think they have nine away points right now. And in all of 2020, I think they had six or eight or something like that. So I'll, I'll look it up um, there. There's a lot of 2020 comparisons now um, with the LA Galaxy having played a third of their season and basically only one point off the pace of 2020's total as well with this. Let's get to the lineups a little bit just so you can sort of understand what Greg Vanny did. Um, we can talk about how how resting people sort of comes in here. Not a lot of changes. Um, you know, have you have Cabral, you have Chicharito, you have Grand Sierra up top. Listen, the younger legs here... Vanny is going to let they're going to he's going to let those legs run. Right. Um, he's going to he's going to pick and choose who he sort of puts in the middle and who has that heaviest workload. And it's always the central midfielders that have central midfielders and wingers have the heaviest workload uh, forwards. Uh, if unless you're playing like Chicharito did in this game, you shouldn't run as much. Uh, but Chicharito was running all over the place. We'll talk about that, too. Um, but what he did basically was he took Sasha Klesh and he took Victor Vasquez and he put them on the bench and he brought in Jonathan Dos Santos, who was a substitute in the last game, and Efrain Alvarez, who was a substitute in the last game. And he brought them men so he he rotated well and he got healthy bodies in there with Jonathan Dos Santos in there as well Kevin so uh, for me it was the right amount of changes um, without altering the structure of how they're playing this is second consecutive game they've sort of gone in that 4-3-3 even though it sort of morphs in and out of that um, and we can talk about how that looks but for me this is a solid lineup this is one that uh, you know, you could sort of expect, Kevin, it was at least one where like you weren't surprised by any of the changes. You know, these these well, all made sense to me. Put, put that back up again, because there's something interesting there, too. When you talk about uh, we talked before coming on the air about the the workload and, and um, you know, squad rotation, those things are going to have to happen. You have Dos Santos and Alvarez. We know they're going away. They're training right now with the Mexican national team. They may, it looks like, both be gone for the Gold Cup. Um, so this is a great opportunity it, it, if. Greg Vanny knew that to rest those two guys, uh, to play those two guys and rest some players are going to have to play a lot while they're away. A guy like Vasquez, you know, in his mid thirties, uh, he's going to have trouble playing a lot of games in July at the heat and everything else. So he's sort of got a breather. These two guys play, they'll be going away and Vasquez, he'll be called on, I think, to play a lot of minutes while they're away. So I think the the rest, the, the, the starting lineup and the substitutions were very appropriate with Greg Vanny knowing what's coming up. Yeah, eventually the subs to come in. You get Sasha Kleshin in. You get Victor Vasquez in there. Um, Saldana, I think, eventually made an appearance there. Dunbar. Dunbar came in and made an appearance. So did we have four subs total? Was there one more there? Oh, I think Zubak eventually came in uh, yeah, as Zubak, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the Chicharito whisperer who's not whispering much anymore. Well, they don't. But he doesn't put them on the field at the same time anymore. How can they possibly be the the Chicha whisperer or so whatever happens? But Chicharito would have like 20 goals now. Yeah, he could. He, he could. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, this game is, is a lot of fun, and it's fun for a lot of reasons and one of the things I said you know and I've sort of been been leading and I said this at halftime of this game too but this is if the LA Galaxy want to be successful in this league then they need to start winning games comfortably Kevin and you have to do it comfortably especially with these condensed schedules because you need a chance to rest people during a game right you don't want to be suffering and and this is something Greg Vanny says all the time he goes we suffer too much and what he means is that if you don't put the game away then you have to chase you have to work hard you have to be you know on the tip top on your tiptoes and running your butts off for the entire 90 minutes if you don't put games away and the LA Galaxy up until this game had failed really to win comfortably and walk sort of away with a win and this was the game that they did which I'm totally surprised at Kevin when you talk about a rivalry game when you talk about a game that even though it was the third game in three days you know the third game of three basically in a week um, that really when you look at what 
um, should have happened in this game is San Jose should have had a reaction to their 5-0 loss in Orlando. We know that. We know we should have looked at that and said, listen, uh, you know, San Jose is really going to come out and really try to body the LA Galaxy because they, they want to avenge that loss that they had, um, you know, against uh, Orlando. They want to show that they're not as bad as they've been playing. But what happened in, instead, Kevin, was they, they got walked all over again by the LA Galaxy. I mean, really... Um, it helps so much when you get a first first, you know, 11 minutes in, you get a goal from Chicharito because that sets the tone for everything. Already San Jose is chasing that game at home um, with a whole bunch of traveling L.A. Galaxy fans. They're already chasing the game. So getting that goal was super, super important and doing that and then sort of comfortably and I'll say comfortably walking through that first half was was super important. I think I mean, listen. Getting Cabral and getting Grand Sear involved in the offense is something that they've tried to do over and over again. Um, and we really haven't seen the fruits of that until this game. So getting them involved, and I'm going to say taking pressure off of Chicharito, which is funny because he ends up scoring two goals in this game, and he helps create both of those goals as well. He's involved in the play in both of these goals as well. Um, when you look at that, I feel like there is, uh, there's been a, a real step forward for this LA Galaxy team. This was a step forward. A crappy team in San Jose, but a step forward. They played the crappy team and they drove them into the ground. Right, and, and a couple of things. I know San Jose is not exactly the 1970 Brazilian World Cup team, but I thought the back line played pretty well. Um, I, I, you know, I thought they looked like they were all on the same page and, and they were covering for one another. They didn't get the clean sheet, which was unfortunate, but I thought they played pretty well. Uh, offensively, one thing that I, I know, I thought Grant Sear and, and, and Cabral were both very active, but Every time down, everyone's looking for Chicharito. And it, I don't know whether that's Greg's game plan where the players decide that on, on their own. I'd like to see somebody else step up and take a shot on goal every once in a while just to change things up a little bit and give the opponents, you know, something to think about. Every time you, you see, you know, people coming up with a good angle and, and there's they pull up and look for Chicharito. Well, I mean, there, there's two things that I think. One is Kevin Cabral should have scored like two goals in this game, um, at least, because he, he was in front of goal. He had it. He should have put some away. He didn't. He was active. He was involved. Uh, he also had probably the worst defensive play on the night where he stood and watched as a San Jose player just sort of dribbled around him. And he was like, eh, maybe not. And, you know, they almost scored on that play. Uh, and then he comes down the other direction and, and feeds Chicharito for the for the goal. So, I mean, you know, a little bit of a mixed bag with Kevin, but still you saw him involved. I'll tell you this. The LA Galaxy have not scored a goal outside of the box yet this year. Every single goal has been scored inside the box. Who is really good at scoring goals inside the box, Kevin? Well, yeah, Chicharito is, but I mean, it does look a little bit like there's a lot of years and that we're going to get the ball down deep and we're going to start looking for, in this case, Chicharito. You know, one thing with Cabral, I'd like to see him maybe next time there's a penalty kick. Maybe it's not Sasha. Maybe Cabral takes it because you just have the feeling like once he gets one, it's just going to break everything open. He's just so close and he seems to be trying so hard to get that one goal. That I think once it happens, he's going to relax and, and they're going to come. Well, as much as as much as I don't know that I agree with the Chicha criticism in terms of always looking for him. The LA Galaxy did. Uh, have, I'm not criticizing. I'm right. just observing. Yeah. OK. Observing. Then your observance. I'm not going to disagree. I look at that. There were 25 crosses by the LA Galaxy as well in this game. Right. One of the reasons was that San Jose was allowing them all the room they wanted on the. Uh, on the edges, right? I mean, really, Cabral and Grants here were open. The weeks are the weak side, the offside of these plays were open over and over and over again, which is one of the reasons a lot of that offense went through those guys. Um, so that was good. But I mean, talk about the first goal. 
this starts with a Nick DePew, like sort of just run forward. And then who checks back? And we've seen this from Chicharito and there's always been a criticism. Um, but in in the Seattle game and certainly in the San Jose game, teams have sort of figured out how to play around their man to man defense that they play, which is having that striker drop back into the midfield to pull a center back away. Right. And that's exactly what happens in this in this particular game because or in this goal, because Dupuy, uh, Dupuy, I have just said that that's not his name like a million times. Depew gets the ball. He passes it to Chicharito as he checks back. Chicharito gets the ball with his back to goal, turns and fires out wide to Grand Sear. Now the play is bro- is is open, right? Because Grand Sear was open on that right-hand side. So that's wonderful. That's where it was. One touch, which I love, a little nudge forward by Grand Sear, and then he's going to find this box. Now there's two runs that are made in this that make this. And so this is why I'm saying looking for Chicharito, he, I don't think he was looking for Chicharito, but he was putting it in the place where Chicharito was probably going to pop up. But remember, Chicharito started that play about mm, 12 yards inside his own attacking half. He's not close to goal, Kevin. He has to run 40 yards basically in order to be in a position to score that goal. But what does Cabral do? Whenever Chicharito uh, pulled in, Cabral made a near post. He ran down the center of the field and then he made a little bit of a turn to the near post. Not much, but enough that it just opens this little seam. And who else was on the near post was Efrain Alvarez. Now, Alvarez had a very quiet game um, in this one. You didn't really see much from him, but one of the things he did was he sort of turned and went towards that near post. So as as Grant Sear is getting ready to hit that ball, you have two guys who are in the box who are opposite, uh, occupying about three defenders in this. And so Alvarez cutting to the near post, Cabral down the center and a little bit cheating towards the near post. And who comes in from his 40-yard run full sprint and beats two San Jose defenders to the ball. It's Chicharito. Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. Yes. That, that guy. Um, he, but I mean, to me, that's, you know, we talk about team goals and a lot of times team goals happen from a whole bunch of passes and stuff like there's not a whole bunch of passes in this, but that's a team goal. All of the movement that the LA galaxy did open players up. I mean, Cabral could have been open on that near post as Alvarez cut hard to the near post. He sort of opened up space for Cabral. Cabral was there. Cabral also moved towards the ball and took a defender with him to open up space for Chicharito. So for me, yes, they're looking for him as they should. And I think, you know, Greg was even saying afterwards, he goes, you know, hey, I said all along that if we could get the ball into the box to Chicharito, that we were going to be okay. And that's what's happening right now. A lot of balls crossed on the ground, um, some chances that I think Chicharito missed and stuff like that. But in that first goal, that's a perfect example of everything the LA Galaxy should be doing right now. Well, you know, um, Soccer Diva mentioned it or asked Chicharito about it after the game about uh, the fact that he appears to be so happy. I've been following Chicharito, as you know, stalking Chicharito probably since 2010 when I covered Mexico in the World Cup in South Africa and then went to see him play in Manchester. and, And anyway, my point is, I don't think I've ever seen him as happy and relaxed. He's always been a very serious guy. And I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm only guessing at some point. But, you know, what happened in the last year with his family thing and, and then his grandfather dying and his struggles, I think maybe he got to the point where it's like, I can't take this so seriously anymore. It's killing me. I just, I have to lighten up a little bit and enjoy the good moments. And uh, he just seems happier than I've ever seen him. And and clearly the success, I don't think he's ever had 10 goals in 10 games of a season before. So clearly the success 
is making him happy. But I think the two go together. I think he's successful because he's happy, and then he's happy that he's successful. <laughs> yes, yes, that is the thing. Let me uh, let me get you some audio from Greg Vanny, who talked a little bit about Javier and and sort of we were talking about uh, you know Vanny said if we could get the ball in the box that type of thing. I was sort of paraphrasing. Let's hear from uh, Vanny himself here and see if we can uh, we can pick out exactly where that was. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, for Javi, when he's when he's connecting with our wingers or better, our wingers are connecting with Javi. And, and I said this before we even started this uh, this journey of this season is if we can get our wingers to the end line and we can get players to the end line, then Javi's going to score a lot of goals this year. If we can get guys behind the back line and, and we can force center backs to defend deep. He's such a clever runner in the box uh, that he's going to get opportunities. And now we're starting to see. The, the the pass between the winger, whether it's Kevin or Sam or whoever's out there, and and the finisher who is Javi, they they've got to be able to read each other, anticipate where the ball is going to go, which gives Javi the opportunity to get to those spots. Uh, and he's such a good finisher with that. So again, I think it's part of that, you know, the chemistry that they will continue to grow with these with these guys that they get in training, that they get through matches, that they get when we sit and watch video. Um, that will continue to uh, continue to hopefully blossom, which I, I believe it will, because our our wide guys are going to continue to get better as they as they settle in more and more. So so there you go, little Greg Vanny. I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. One thing before we get away is he calls him Sam. You can call him Sam if you're the coach, but we call him Samuel Grancier. People have said, you know, these guys coming over from France or any European players are coming over. They're chasing a paycheck. They don't really care about MLS. Yada yada yada. What happened with Grant Sears' family this week, and what did he do in reaction to that? This yeah. is very interesting. No, we, this was a surprise. We didn't know about this, and it was a it was a question, and Greg sort of threw it in. They were asking about just sort of how these guys adapt, and we can play the audio, but really the the gist of it is, um, is that he said, you know, Sam had a uh, had a baby earlier this week. Well, actually, his wife did. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say if, Sam did. If didn't, he did, that'd be a big story. That it would be it'd be a much bigger story. Um, but he, you know, his wife, his wife had, or his girlfriend, I'm not sure what it is, and I don't want to assume. His partner had a baby earlier this week, and Sam had asked to go home to see the baby. I mean, that in France, right? And I said, by the way, I, I didn't. Greg said go home, and I'm like is that I texted some PR people. I'm like, is home LA or home France? And they're the home is France. So, uh, grand sir had a baby in France. Um, and he was going to go visit the baby. I imagine for the first time, cause he's not there with the baby. So he was going to go visit the baby in France and he was going to do it after the Vancouver game. He was going to play in Vancouver and he was going to take some time to go back and visit the baby and the galaxy had okayed that and said, yeah, absolutely go do your thing. And then after the Vancouver game, he's like, I want to, he asked if it was okay to stay. Basically, he wanted to stay and play the other game because he, he, I think he liked where the LA Galaxy were and he knew how important that San Jose game was. Um, and so he stayed and played in that San Jose game. I mean, I, one part of me is really impressed with that sort of dedication. And one part of me is like, dude, go home and see your baby. <laughs> like, it's just yeah, soccer. Yeah, but, but, you know, he, if he goes now, he misses one game. Right. Because he'll be back by the 17th. You know, the, with COVID, there's probably a quarantine on one side or the other, and it's it's a mess. You're right. He If he wanted to go home, nobody would say anything about it. There'd be no controversy at all. But I think the fact that he stayed, he's 10 games into his MLS career, yet he already feels so committed that he wants to stay and play in the rivalry game. 
rather than go home and, and see the baby. And uh, again, you can say the guy's nuts or what a dedicated guy. Right. But I think it speaks to where his mind is and his dedication to the galaxy. It reminds me of whenever I was younger and my mom would be like, hey, it's time to come home. And I'm like, hey, mom, I'm just going to let me just finish this game. Just one more game and then I'll come down for dinner. That's that's Grand Sir calling his wife. Just one more game, hon, and then I will come home. I promise. Um, so anyway, I thought super interesting on that. I thought, you know, Grand Sear really kind of almost had a breakout game for him. He was very good. Um, he played very well. He played with a lot of control. They were saying, um, you know, uh, uh, was that his first assist? Yes, it was both Cabral and Grand Sear. They both got their first assists. Um, wow, the French connection. The French, I mean, the French were, were playing, so it was a it was a thing going on. So um, Patrick in the chat room says Grand Sear is starting to play loose, uh, and Cabral's not there yet. He said Cabral's very tight, and I agree with that. Sort of, you know, Cabral is trying, he's pushing, and you just want him to sort of settle and relax a little bit and be like, I can play in this league. And I think even though he played tight that you saw he can play in this league against a really crappy team in San Jose, um, but that's the thing. But OK, so we get through the first half, Kevin. You're, you're up one nothing. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? Because the LA Galaxy have been in this position before and they've made it difficult on themselves before. They haven't pressed hard. They haven't put kept the kept the pedal down. They haven't scored that second or that third goal to put the game away. And because of that, they've had to work very, very hard for the rest of, you know, that game. And they weren't able to sort of, you know, coast or cruise a little bit. And again, as we were talking earlier, you need to have to do, you have to do that this year if you're going to be successful. You need to be able to rest during games in order to be successful this year. I know that sounds crazy, but you need to be up ahead that you can coast through this. And I said at halftime, this is the time. They need to learn it right now. And San Jose was giving them the chances to do it. So it needs to happen. Um, and so what do we get in the second half? We get uh, five minutes from uh, from the start of the second half. We get a Chicharito goal, number two. Um, and it comes from the other side, this time from Kevin Cabral. Um, and so you've got Grant Sear in the first half. You had Cabral in the second half. A very similar thing, except that in this one, I will never understand how Chicharito even gets anywhere near this ball, Kevin. There were five Quakes defenders who weren't really doing much whenever Cabral comes down that left-hand side and picks out Chicharito with a near post run and Chich just sort of dinks it in the back of the net on a, again, a full volley. Uh, somebody was joking that I, you should worry more about Chicharito um, whenever uh, he has time to dribble or time to think about the shot. If he's just going to one touch it into the goal, best, best guy to have on your team to do that. But if you give him any sort of chances to think about it or to really sort of size up the shot, he'll probably miss. Um, That's an interesting uh, stat because I bet you uh, most of his goals, I, I'm just recollecting them, are all that one touch, you know, one time, uh, one yeah. touch variety. He, By the way, he every time he scores uh, two or more goals, he wins MLS Player of the Week. Yes. He's done it three times. Jonathan Bond won it once. So four times in 10 weeks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which means, yeah, 40%. 40% of the uh, of the of the LA Galaxy or uh, uh, yeah you're you're I can hear you. I well you were for a second and then you then you disappeared again. I'll let you work on it. Nope, can't hear you now. You're going to have to you're going to have to plug it back in. Um I'll talk while you try to figure that out. Just just wiggle it or something. Um yeah, so uh yeah, whenever you look at that it's the LA Galaxy have run 40% of the um of the total uh team of the week plays so far uh this year. There you go. I think you're back. Am I there? Yeah. I'm there now. Okay. Yeah. So, so, but you know, you're waxing poetic about how great the galaxy are. And, and I mentioned, you know, six points on the road in four days. Now they're going to play sporting Kansas city. It's at home. Mm -hmm. They got a little bit of rest, but they will be without Derek Williams, presumably without Grant Sear, probably without Jonathan Dos Santos, without Efrain Alvarez. Yep. 
Um, it and they have a ten day break coming up after that, so I think it's well. well they you know, go everybody else is available. They go they go um, July fourth and then July seventh because they have FC Dallas oh, right, at home right, midweek yes. too, right? And so th- I mean, all of that is sort of leading to to all of this. Um, without without going too much, the third goal for the LA Galaxy and and getting the you know the extra the the extra sort of bonus goal from Dunbar and it's some great work by Dunbar. And by the way, that whole entire move starts on the left hand side and ends up on the right hand side. Galaxy were switching the ball well. They were playing well. They were passing well. They didn't have all the possession, but again, they were sort of coasting. Um, and so you get the third goal in that own goal. I said, what does San Jose and uh, Spain have in common? Um, and it was that they both scored an own goal today or or the yesterday. And by the way, the, uh, the San Jose Earthquakes have scored two own goals against the LA Galaxy in their last two games, and they've only scored one goal themselves. So they, the own goal, they've scored more goals for the LA Galaxy than they have for themselves in the last two games they played for the LA Galaxy. Um, I'll tell you this. Uh, I have never seen it. I don't think I've ever seen it this bad, Kevin. And and maybe I'm not thinking in terms of like 2012 or 2014. Um, but after watching that game, watching the LA Galaxy dominate, fairly easily getting to do the subs like we said all five subs being uh being used uh sort of getting the coast and yes they gave up a goal and greg vanny will be upset about that blah 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 the whole thing who cares you throw that away for a game that you win 3-1 you take it away i have never seen a san jose team so irrelevant um and making that rivalry so irrelevant it's not a rivalry right now and you can't even call it that um because san jose didn't play that game like a rivalry game they played that game like they were scared they were going to lose it from the very beginning and they did um and so they didn't come out and attack and however almeida has them he's he doesn't have them in a good spot they're they're listing heavily they're going to sink um because you can see it but there was no heart in that team whatsoever and the la galaxy to give them credit, took that heart. Any chance they had of having that heart disappeared in the 11th minute when Chicharito scored a goal and all those San Jose earthquakes all suddenly had this flashback to the week to, to the midweek game they played on Tuesday where they gave up five goals to Orlando um, and all that. I, I just I, I, I said irrelevant and then ESPN and their power rankings said the, the San Jose is irrelevant. I, I was sort of like, I didn't know that they were going to say that, but that seems 100 percent true right now. Well, I think they should learn. I mean, someone's got to get them like one of those soccer uh, uh, strategy books. You know, there's zone marking now. They can use zone marking. By the way, is Ravelisone going to be able to play uh, in these two upcoming games? I, I think we. My, my nickname for him now is going to be King Julius because he's from Madagascar. Oh, okay. Yes, and that's that's the I get that. Um, that's a that's a Madagascar so King cartoon Julius, yeah, reference. I get it. No, I got is it. King Julius going to be able to play this week? Yeah. So I was told they were expecting him, and even on Friday, I heard they were expecting him over the weekend. That hasn't changed, and the LA Galaxy were kind of off today, so we didn't really get to hear anything from them. Um, so I imagine tomorrow on Tuesday, I'll sort of be able to find out a little more information. But I imagine that he will be here this week, and that will put him and make him available for the game coming up on Sunday. And, and putting him in then in place of Jonathan would at least for a while would right. certainly help. By the way, I had another question that uh, I don't know what how to segue in and out of this. Is Jonathan Bond the best so far? It's ten games. I understand. Is he the best goalkeeper in Galaxy history uh, since Kevin Hartman? Let's put it that way. Uh, I mean, so is I'm, he better? Is he better than Pineda? Uh, Jaime Pineda? Um, maybe. I, I don't know. It's ten. It's really hard. I'll tell you this, that in MLS right now, he's one of the clear favorites for goalkeeper of the year, and I don't think it's close. I mean, so if you just if we're going to go 10 games in and just shut everything down at 10 games and sort of say where we're at, in my mind, Chichirito is your MVP and golden boot winner, right? Because he he's the guy who's done the most for the team so far through 10 games. I'm going to tell you what that means here in a second. Um, 
And so for me, he's that. Uh, Jonathan Bond is probably goalkeeper of the year. Greg Vanny is probably coach of the year. Um, and then you get into the defender of the year. And I'll certainly say that Julian Araujo is in is in talks to be defender of the year. If if you would have told everybody that that would have been happening 10 games in in, you know, in 2020, I, I think everybody would think you were crazy. So even if we just try to take the 10 games and sort of, you know, project out from that a little bit. And, and clearly that's not that's not a realistic way. Right. We, we understand 10 games is not a season. Season is 34 games. And so you're a third of the way through the season. It's not even half of the season. Right. You're you're still a lot of ways to go. Well, but but there's been huge improvement, Kevin. You can't you can't disagree with that. You know why it would have been a surprise to say that Jonathan Baum would win goalie of the year in 2020 is because he was still in England and that would be impossible for him. <laughs> but, but you're, you're giving all the prizes to a team that, I mean, they're in third place right now. Um, so I'm not saying I disagree with any of that, but uh, who, who wants they're in third place? Who on Seattle are you going to give the MVP to? You give it to Rui Diaz, except he scored one goal less than Chicharito right now. Yeah. I mean, okay. They played each other head to head. I still don't think the LA Galaxy as a team are better than Seattle. Not yet. Uh, but you don't need to beat Seattle now. You need to beat them in the playoffs later. I'm still I'm, I'm there. This this SKC team, if it was a full strength LA Galaxy team going up against a full stre- strength SKC team, which it doesn't seem like it is, then this is a huge game. But as it is, it's probably a mid it's a mid year game, and you're sort of like, okay, it means not a lot. But you'd like to see the LA Galaxy do well on Fourth of July in front of their home fans and sort of make up for the bad taste that was in the mouth uh, against Seattle. I think the LA Galaxy match up good against Sporting Kansas City. But the one thing I, I totally uh, you, there's no argument that Vanny is the coach of the year right now I mean there's just no question about that by the way as good as Bond has been remember his save percentage is nowhere near Mike McGee's yeah absolutely Mike McGee was still I think if you're going on save percentage Mike McGee is the best in LA Galaxy history so yeah um, maybe the best in MLS history that was fun because everybody was going over that was uh that was last Friday was the 10 year uh, uh, anniversary of that day, which is just nuts. Uh, it was fun because the LA Galaxy tweeted out, retweeted my original tweet that started Mike McGee facts. Because if you didn't know, and I'm sure I say it once every year, whenever this comes around, is I started Mike McGee facts uh, sitting in the San Jose airport re- waiting to come home. Uh, I was at the game that Mike McGee started. Um, you know, uh, started or played in that game. I was at that game. Um, at, with, uh, I was standing with the supporters groups actually and, and doing all that fun. It was, it was a great trip. Crazy that I was there and that, that playing at that high school stadium that San Jose used to play at, um, and, and seeing that, but it was fun to sort of reminisce about all that. It was always fun to hear Mike McGee tell the story. I think it gets more ridiculous every time well, he tells it. So I enjoy it. It's been 10 years. Just briefly tell everybody what happened. So, so you had Donovan Ricketts started. Yeah. Donovan Ricketts started in goal for the LA galaxy at, at San Jose, um, this was uh, he, Ricketts ended up, I think, breaking his hand uh, in the game. Forearm, I thought it was. Just- yeah, something got jammed or something like that. It was broken and the whole deal. So then Josh Saunders came in. Well, Saunders wasn't in for very long when uh, Stephen Lenhart uh, tried to head the ball out of Josh Saunders' hands um, and he got contact with the ball. But Saunders sort of, you know, gave him a little elbow up in the face and, you know, Lenhart being Lenhart rolled around on the ground as if he had just been murdered. Uh, and the referee gave Saunders a red card, which I always thought was unfair. That's I don't think, you know, it, in VAR days, that's definitely a red card. But in that case, when you see what like the type of shenanigans that's going on, you can't you can't punish the goalkeeper for that particular. At least as a referee, you're trying to arbitrate 
and be fair to each team. And when you have a guy who's pulling shenanigans, you give two yellow cards and you walk away from it and the whole deal. So Mike McGee was standing on the side of the field and he goes, hey, Bruce, you know, who should go in? This is Mike. I, I, he recently recounted this uh, the story again. Bruce, who should go in? And Bruce gave him an expletive filled. I don't know. Um, right. And so then Mike McGee just walked back and grabbed the goalkeeper's jersey. He's like, yeah, Bruce, Bruce told me that I'm going in to play goalkeeper. I'm going to I'm going to go in and play goalkeeper. And so he played for, uh, you know, a couple minutes or whatever. Um, it was like to end the half. There was like 10 minutes or 12 minutes, I think, to end that half and to get to halftime. And then Mike was like, great, well, they'll switch me out and we'll figure out what we're going to do now. And Bruce was just like, no, you're going back in goal. <laughs> That's where you're going. So he had like seven saves. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I, 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 I always tell my story. The one story I have that if you were there, you saw this and Mike. Uh, agreed with me whenever I recounted this particular detail is one that was a total team effort um, because the LA Galaxy were refusing to let San Jose score and it was Mike McGee but it was everybody else too the defensive effort was crazy remember they're down to 10 men and they have Mike McGee as a goalkeeper so this was basically bunker till you die right and so they're bunkering in there absolute total team effort everybody was working their butts off it was like a challenge and they couldn't wait to like play so it was uh, it was crazy to see that and then the best part about that was Greg Berhalter is playing center back at the time for the LA Galaxy right and he is in there and he starts hacking Len Hart's ankles and knees and anything. Anytime Len Hart gets anywhere near him, Burhalter's just beating the crap out of his legs, right? Like it doesn't matter if the ball's there or not. Burhalter's kicking him. The referee's standing right there and is do does nothing about it the entire game. It's like, nope, not going to call that. I already know what types of shenanigans went on in order to get it in this situation. I'm letting it go. And Burhalter, I'm imagined that Lenhart had to sit in a bath of ice after that game because he got pummeled by Burhalter for like 60 minutes of just kicks. Every time he got near him, kick, kick, kick in the ankle, kick in the back of the leg, kick everywhere. And, you know, that's sort of that like old defender type of stuff, Kevin, right? It's like the, the smart defender knows how to get away with stuff. Greg Berhalter was that smart defender, and he he battered Stephen Lenhart for the rest of that game. By the way, speaking of Bruce, I believe he's still New England leads the Eastern Conference still second in the in the supporter shield race. Is that correct? Uh, New England, yeah. New England is just behind Seattle. Yeah, but it, it, it's interesting because New England plays in the Eastern Conference, which means they'll play Chicago and and Cincinnati, both of which are train wrecks at least twice. Right. Um, maybe three times, but uh, in the supporter shield race, that's why it's a complete joke this year. Seattle is going to play up and down the Western Conference. Uh, a lot of tough teams. I mean, right now, Dallas is in last place. I think Dallas is a dangerous team. Right. You can't possibly compare Dallas to Cincinnati and Chicago with a straight face. Dal Dallas, yeah. Dallas just beat New England, right? Did you see that over the over the weekend? And it was well. There you go. I was like, okay, you know, it was one. It was one of those. That's a surprise. So the, the worst team in the West beats the best team in the East. But there's a very good chance a team from the East is going to win the supporter shield just because they get four gimmies. They already started the season with four wins. The supporter shield means nothing. It hasn't meant anything until the last time it was actually balanced, which was 2010 and 2011. Do you know who won the supporter shield in 2010 and 2011, Kevin? The galaxy. That is correct. So there we go. That's that 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 conversation is over. Yeah, but you're right. Um, how it comes all that. Let me get you to Seattle's the best team in the league. Just they they are. They I are. agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to get you the passing network chart. Oh, there's that math again. Yeah, I I just like this one. It's very balanced, and I like it whenever it's balanced. Um, this is basically showing that the LA Galaxy could do whatever they want. If you look at average positions, there's a nice line of three up top with um, you know, you have uh, you have Cabral and you have Chicharito, and I, I believe um, eleven is Grant Sierra out there as well, right? 
Um, so they're in there. You have um, you have Legit, who was also tucked in. This is slanted a little bit towards Cabral's side, which I like to see. Um, I think Cabral was the more open of the players, but uh, Grant Sear had a little bit more advanced position in some of these things. Um, you know, getting Araujo up the right-hand side, by the way, Araujo made team of the week as well. Um, he had a good game against Espinosa, who is a good attacker, and I think that's the reason. I don't know that anybody else uh, did uh, did much of that. So um, Is that a rhombus? Looks like a rhombus. It's definitely a rhombus. Um, the other thing we have is expected goals, and the only reason I bring this up is that I think there's only been three games so far this year, Kevin, that the LA Galaxy have actually led on expected goals um, whenever you look at everything. And so for me, this is a really interesting um, you know, sort of look at everything, which is that uh, that the LA Galaxy not only beat San Jose on the scoreboard, but they also beat them um, in the expected goals uh, area as well. So 3.1 expected goals to 1.1. So 3 to 1. What do you know? Uh, uh, an expected goals chart that actually sort of works out there. Um, the only other... That, that, that yeah. thing on the left, that little chart? Yeah. Did you do that on an Etch-a-Sketch? Because it looks like an Etch-a-Sketch. It's MLS's chart. I'm sure they did it on an Etch-a-Sketch. Probably not even like a real Etch-a-Sketch, probably like a knockoff one because they never want to like go, you know, Cadillac for anything. So I imagine it's a it's a knockoff Etch-a-Sketch. Um, the only other thing, two things I want to talk else about this game and then we can sort of move on because we're, you know, 40 minutes into the show. We have other stuff we need to talk about as well um, is... One, I have a great video uh, that we got permission to use from somebody who took it who was at the San Jose game of San Jose fans being very angry at the LA Galaxy when they walked across the players bridge because San Jose now has a players bridge. It used to be just the would walk right across the um, the concrete into the locker rooms from the field and they would block it off and you could sort of stand there and high five people. But with COVID, they wanted to make that safer. So they created the sky bridge sort of that goes over it. And it's really kind of a cool thing um, to see. I actually don't I don't hate it at all. But whenever the L.A. Galaxy walked across it, uh, they were a little upset. And so um, we got, like I said, uh, the user on this one on TikTok was uh, able to, to to let us use this. And so you see Sasha Kleschen uh, sort of walking across a bridge, holding up a jersey. And then you see the beers and the, and the, the sodas flying, uh, the middle fingers, the one finger salutes from the San Jose fans come as well. And then Jonathan Bond comes up right behind, is all excited as well, and is like, I don't care, um, and gets all excited. And again, more beers, more sodas being thrown at uh, at LA Galaxy players. Um, so uh, the LA Galaxy players had a ton of fun with it. They walked by, they waved Kevin, they enjoyed uh, being it and they enjoyed sort of rowling ri- ri- uh, up all of the uh, all of the San Jose fans as well. But um, I just thought it was uh, it was one. I like it because I like just sort of the emotion that it shows and I like the LA Galaxy like not being bothered by any of it at all. Um, and then um, I also will have to ask whether or not there's anybody who does any sort of security at San Jose um, and can take care of that because one of the things that we heard during the broadcast and people who are at the stadium said that they heard it as well was the homophobic chant being uh, being uttered at goal kicks uh, whenever Jonathan Bond would take a goal kick as well. So um, some stuff MLS has to do to take care of some things here um, and tighten some things up in San Jose because that's one, that's unsafe for players. Two, we all know about the homophobic chant and everything that's been going on with FIFA and the Mexican national team and just MLS's whole stance on it. And for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to be you know being taken care of there in San Jose right now. So Well, on that video, two of the three players that seem to be gesturing most vividly and, yeah. and getting into it 
Cabral and Bond, the two new guys. I mean, Jonathan Bond was all up there. Sasha Kleshin holding up the jersey, pointing at the crest and showing all the well, fans. He, get, he gets it. I, I mean, mean, he's been in MLS a long time. The other two guys, it's they're 10 games in. It just, you know, I know fans love to see this stuff, but it shows just how bought in these guys are, too. And after that win, being able to comfortably sort of slide through this is a huge Huge plus for the LA Galaxy. Again, you cannot understate how important it is that they got guys rest. They got five guys rest and Chicharito included. And somebody said, well, shouldn't Chicharito be? I want my best player playing every minute of every game. No, you do not. You do not want him playing every minute of every game. If you could sub him in the 65th minute because you're winning five nothing, you sub him in the 65th minute every single time. Get Chicharito needs to be on the field as long as he with the LA Galaxy need him to be in the game to score goals. As soon as you don't need him to score goals anymore, his butt better be sitting on the bench. He's putting an unbelievable workload on him, one that he is not accustomed to throughout the, the latter stages of his career right now. And so any rest you can get him, he needs to be on the bench. Well, he didn't he wave, you know, at, at one point, didn't he gesture say, I, I got to get out of here. Yep. I'm yep. I'm spent. Yep. And if you if um, we talked to him after the Vancouver game, which the video is up on corner you can go see it, but go see it. He he literally answers one question saying, you know, he's muerta, right? He's dead, right? He's like, I'm dead. And they, he couldn't catch his breath. He's at altitude. He was exhausted. He was dead. He didn't want he was done. And so whenever you see that um, from him. Listen, that says nothing to me about his commitment or what he did. He came in, he scored two goals. Galaxy are winning three to nothing at the point time. Get him off the field and 100% correct. He, you know, Greg Vandy got him off the field and that's fine. So, um, yeah, there's there seems to be this pride thing like with Jonathan Dos Santos. You don't need you don't want Jonathan Dos Santos on the field any longer than he needs to be on the field, right? With all of his injury questions and with all the things that he sort of goes through, you want him on the field exactly as long as you need him on the field. And that is it. Same with Sasha Kleshton. Same with Victor Vasquez. The guys who put a lot of miles on their legs need to be subbed as soon as the LA Galaxy are in safe positions to win games. Um, and by the way, that gives great guys like you know like Cameron Dunbar like like Saldana um you know even Harvey if he's playing or any of the young guys Efrain Alvarez even it gives the young guys a chance to play in there as well in lower pressure situations still MLS level but lower pressure situations you're up by three goals there's not a lot of pressure in there and you can defend and you can sort of suck things in there so um again I thought it was uh, a really telling game for it but more than anything i'm gonna say yeah it's absolutely 100 percent. you know a great thing for the la galaxy more than anything it tells me san jose is irrelevant right now in major league soccer which is uh sort of crazy uh in terms of where the la galaxy and san jose have been throughout their uh throughout their man time. you are not getting a christmas card from the earthquakes this year hey if they want i would i have no problem saying that they're a dangerous team when they're a dangerous team that was not a date that was a usl sub level team that tried to go out there and beat the LA Galaxy that night. That was not and a test. This was supposed to be the Stanford game, too. It, it was supposed to be the Stanford. It was supposed to be a lot of things. It was not. Um, and it and it, it's just it's one of those things. Let me uh, I want to get to uh, to Greg Vanny just on this last one. Uh, he talks a little bit. I asked him afterwards if he was ecstatic about sort of shutting the being able to shut the team down early um, and then get out of there. And so let's hear what uh, what Greg had to say. Yeah, I just thought uh, it's always going to be a tough game, the third game in seven days, two of them on the road, back to back, coming out of, uh, you know, coming out of altitude and then coming here and playing a man-to-man style in the third game is always physically demanding. Uh, I was proud of the the guys in terms of just their movement and their work and and created a number of chances. We could have finished a couple more, would have been nice. I know we gave up a couple, but... um, we also just showed some compete and resiliency down the end. And, and again, what is a, uh, you know, three games in seven days uh, is, a, is a tough ask. And so um, 
You know, I know I like that uh, Javi gets two goals. That's always good for everybody. You know, I like that uh, Sam and, and Kevin get assists both for him. Uh, Kevin is pressing really hard to get the goal. It's one of these is going to go in and it's going to help him, you know, uh, with the confidence of just putting things in. But I thought the, the effort was good. We dug down and, and got some other, some guys on the field too, some young guys who had to play in a tough environment. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm pleased with where the guys are at and keep, uh, keep answering the games as they, as they come. Did you see Greg mirrored me there on the Kevin Cabral thing? It, once he scores, I get the confidence. It's, Nice to know that Greg is at my level of <laughs> soccer punditry. That's, can, that's really good. Can I tell you, anytime any coach agrees with me on something, I always feel so good about myself later. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wow, see, I'm doing good. I'm, you know, and we could both be wrong, right? But I still feel good. I'm like, oh man, I, I nailed that. You know, Greg thinks that I'm smart too. Woohoo. Yay for me. Um, although it all, sometimes it's better whenever they think you're a moron. It's sometimes a better answer, um, whenever it comes down to it. Uh, let's get to, uh, let's get to, uh, Chicharito winning player of the week. We talked about that already. Um, obviously third time he did. I'm, I, I'm trying to check a hundred percent Kevin, but I just, I, and I want to make sure that I'm right. And I tried to look it up quickly and I didn't find it, but at least in a quick search in 2019, Zlatan scored, you know, his 30 goals in 2019. That is the single uh, scoring record, single season scoring record for the LA Galaxy. He was only named player of the week three times during that. And Chicharito through 10 weeks has already been named player of the week three times. I, I also have to come clean. I did vote for Chicharito over Ricardo Pepe. And I almost put them. They have about the same ratings. If you look, they they both put two goals in. Um, you know, I would say that Dallas probably had the more difficult game. But when you look at individual sort of talents, the way that Chicharito helped create both of those goals to me was the difference. And by the way, I watched both of those games, so I don't want anybody to be like, "Hey, you didn't watch the." No, I watched both the games. I understand the significance. But um, for me, Chicharito, because he was involved in the buildup to both of those goals, was sort of the edge there, um, and the so amount of work he did in that game. So if Pepe married Nick DePew, he'd be Pepe DePew. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Wow. There you go. No. Well, I mean, he wouldn't because his first name is Ricardo. It's Ricardo Pepe. Oh. So he would have to. He'd be Ricardo DePew. Oh, that is, is, that's that, not nearly as funny. Maybe he'd hyphenate it. It could be Ricardo Pepe, Pepe DePew. Yeah. De there you go. Okay. Good. Glad we got that figured out. Um. So anyway, so that's where uh, where it is. Uh, also, the team of the week uh, was released today as well. Um, and when you look at that, you get, um, you get Chicharito, you get Pepe on there. Uh, you get some guys from Sporting Kansas City who had three guys, or excuse me, two guys on there, same as the LA Galaxy, who also got Julian Araujo. Um, I will say it was one of Araujo's quieter games in the last week. He played better against Vancouver when it, if you if you really look at it. But for me, um, Julian Araujo did a great job on Espinosa, and I imagine that's sort of where the voters took that. I know I MLS gets to, um, MLS gets to choose these. I don't have anything involved with team of the week or anything else like that. Um, let's talk about Chicharito though, Kevin, because this is something I called you about today because I accidentally stumbled across the stat. And to me, it's a little mind blowing, even though it's 10 games in, I understand when I do these stats, Kevin, I want to be clear. I understand when I do these stats of where the, these players are in this road. We've already said a third of the season is not the full season and that you can't just take numbers and predict them out. But I want to tell you something that in 2021 through 10 games, uh, Chicharito has 10 goals, okay? Zlatan in 2019 had 30 goals in 29 games played. We understand, okay? That, that all makes sense. If you're looking at goals per game, Zlatan scored just over one goal per game, 1.03. Right now, Chicharito is scoring one goal per game. 
again, early, but comparative in terms of if you're looking at, if he keeps up this pace, he could be on pace to sort of tie Zlatan in some things. The thing that really has sort of stood out to me was the minutes per goal. How many minutes per goal? And if you go through and I have all of the LA Galaxy single time scores, uh, single season goal scores, right? They're, they're most. Zlatan Ibrahimovic had 30. Carlos Ruiz had 24. Zlatan in 2018 had 22. Um, Hurtado had 21. Robbie Keane had 20. Landon Donovan had 20. If you look at the minutes per goal, there's a range there. Landon Donovan scored one goal every 107 minutes in 2008. Uh, if you go to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, in his best season where he scored 30 goals, he was scoring one goal every every 87 minutes. All right. Guess who also is scoring one goal every 87 minutes? Chicharito. Well, it's right. actually 86.6. Even I can do that math. Yep. So Chicharito's a tick better than Zlatan. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, it would be on pace to tie Carlos Vela's single season record of 34 goals if he plays all 34 games and keeps scoring like this. I mean, you know, that's again, if and if, but whenever we said, and I was one of these people and I'm, I'm not taking this away, but I said that Chicharito could never, you know, replace Zlatan. That's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to build a team that can replace Zlatan, right? Because we all agree Zlatan was more an individual, but when you look at the numbers through 10 games, um, he is on pace to be Zlatan Ibrahimovic. The best Zlatan was for the LA Galaxy. Right now, Chicharito is on pace to be that. That doesn't mean he's going to be it. doesn't mean there's going to be some big slump where he doesn't score for 10 games. And all of a sudden, that goes out the window. But we do have to reassess. We all thought that if he scored between 15 and 20 goals this season, that it would be a successful season for him. Right, Kevin? I think that was about the number, 15 yeah. to 20. Yeah, some people were 12 to 15. I don't think he's going to score 30 goals, but I think 25 now, 22 to 25, would be a good season. Um, Wait, yeah, so I know. Like you said, there's going to be slumps. I mean, Cabral is going to start scoring some goals. We know that. And so right. I, I, he didn't have to score 35 goals. He didn't have to score a goal a game the rest of the season. But I think if he gets between 20 and 25, put that chart back up there again. That would be what? That would be the best non-Zolatan season, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, 25 is the, is the best non-Zolatan season because Carlos Ruiz had 24. That would be better than Robbie Keane, better than Landon Donovan. Um, yeah. And, and by the way, they're, they're pointing out, uh, East super in the, in the chat room says, you know, somebody else needs to start scoring goals for the LA galaxy. hundred percent agree. Um, but also keep feeding Chicharito. He's on fire. He has all the confidence. He loves life. He loves everything about soccer. He loves everything about him. He's happy. He's emotionally happy. He talked about the emotional growth of him and the LA galaxy in the post game. Dude is smiling from ear to ear. Um, feed, feed him, feed, feed the yeah, little, the little pea. Two things about that. You're absolutely right. Keep Chicharito happy. Yes. Um, uh, you know, that's going to help. But I, I, I also agree with the caller uh, or the texter or whatever you call him, um, the listener, that uh, it, you, the Galaxy st got to start taking some shots from distance just if for no other reason to open things up. Teams are going to start packing their whole defense inside the box. When they look at the stats like you had, every goal has come from inside the box. Why put anybody outside the 18-yard box if the Galaxy aren't going to shoot from there? Pa They've got to start trying some shots from outside the box if for no other reason just to open things up. Patrick uh, Patrick in the chat room says Zlatan had too much of the ball, which I agree. A lot of times he did have too much. The Galaxy were looking for him all the time, and they needed to. They needed somebody to score. Uh, Chicharito is probably seeing too much of the ball. Patrick, he only had four shots. Two of them on goal, two of them for goals. The other two missed the target. That's it. He's not seeing a lot of the ball. He's checking back for the ball because of the teams that they're playing against, but he's not seeing a ton of it. It's not like I feel like they're overusing or again, and you know, your observance was, you know, they're targeting him. Um, 
uh, to me, I don't even think they're tar I think he's the run. I think they're designing things for him to be in those positions. But if you look, there's other runs being made. Um, and Cabral and, and Efrain Alvarez in that first one are those other runs. That second goal that he scores, there's nobody else making that run. There's nobody else even in the vicinity. It's Cabral and Chicharito against like six San Jose defenders. That's it. Right. So, I mean, that's a goal from nothing. I imagine the expected goal from that is actually pretty low um, whenever you get it. But, yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see Grant Sears start to start to be the confident guy that he is. I think that you're going to see Cabral gain some confidence in this as well. If those guys can start scoring, opening up chances for Sebastian Legette, Sasha Kleshton, Victor Vasquez, that type of thing, you're going to be fine. You get a couple goals from, you know, you get five goals from Cabral. You get five goals for Grant Sears, right? That's another 10 goals. The LA Galaxy score. You get five goals from Legette. There's 15 now. You get five goals from somebody like Victor. Victor Vasquez, um, whenever he's not, if you can start doing that, the goals start racking up and the LA Galaxy start doing uh, pretty good. Uh, by the way, a little super sticker, super chat from uh, Roberto, who gave us uh, a $3 uh, fist bump uh, there. So fist bump right back to you, Roberto. We appreciate that. Thank you. By the way, you mentioned Sebastian Legette. I had an opportunity to talk to Greg Berhalter last week, and I brought up the fact that, you know, Galaxy fans are a little confused. They watch him with the national team. He's lighting things up. And he plays for the Galaxy, and you hardly notice him. At least that's been my experience. You know, I'm not even sure he's on the field sometimes. And Burhalter said it, it's just Fanny uses him in a different way. And you saw from that lineup, he's playing more as a holding midfielder. With the national team, he's a, a an attacking midfielder. Burhalter didn't say that Vanny's using him incorrectly, but he did say he thinks that Vanny's going to find out. Uh, you know, he's going to get more comfortable with Sebastian Legette and and put him in a better position to succeed. Reading between the lines, I kind of think Burhalter is saying is, hey, he's an attacker. Move him up. Yeah. Um, but it, it, so when you look at, at Sebastian Legette with the national team versus with the Galaxy, he's playing a different role. He's supposed to be doing different things. It's not like he's a, a, a better player with the national team. He's a different player with the national team. Which in turn, he's better whenever he plays. The national well, you know what? <laughs> if you get... If you get uh, King Julius playing there with Jonathan Dos Santos, that creates an opportunity for Sebastian Jet to move up into that national team position. So it, it, there's a chance there's it, it's almost like the Galaxy are going to make a midseason trade and get an attacking midfielder if they move Sebastian Jet up. A, a, a U.S. national team attacking midfielder, that's a pretty good acquisition. Yeah, it is. Um, I want to go through some stats uh, real quick just because I had all the charts put out. I want to give you your designated player minutes, total available minutes, uh, you know, sort of divided by and gives you a percentage percentage of total minutes that the designated players have played. So Javier Hernandez has played 96.2% of the total available minutes. Jonathan Dos Santos, 71.6%. Kevin Cabral, 77.4%. That gives the LA Galaxy an average of about 82.4%, uh, much higher than last year, FYI. I think it was down in the 60s last year, and that was mostly because of uh, of uh, Pavone playing every minute of almost every game. He was in there a lot. So that I think was he did play every minute all, all season. He? But yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, Sebastian and Dos, or, uh, Chicharito and Dos Santos were MIA for quite a part of the season. There was. Uh, if we go and look at the start through 10 games, so if you look at the start across all other LA Galaxy seasons, this 2021 LA Galaxy is currently the fifth best start in LA Galaxy history. Uh, before everybody gets too excited, 2019 was the fourth best start with 22 points. So 21 points puts them basically behind the 2019 team that had 22 points. Uh, 2010 had 26 points. Uh, 1998, which was shootout era as well, uh, 25 points and then 28 points in 1996, the first season. So uh, the LA Galaxy living in a little bit of rare air right now whenever you compare them to some of the other clubs um, or some of their other starts. Uh, the other thing is the point per game right now. Now, if we ended everything, the LA Galaxy would finish with the second best points per game average uh, right now through 10 games. Having said that, their average is about 1.53. Last year, it was one. In 2019, it was 1.5. Currently, the LA Galaxy are at 2.10. 
Uh, if you want to sort of look at some of the best teams the LA Galaxy have ever been, look near that two mark. Uh, 2010 was 1.97. 2011 was 1.97. Um, 2014 was 1.79. But those best teams were right around the two mark. So obviously we expect that to regress more towards the average. But, you know, anywhere in that 1.75 to two mark is sort of where the LA Galaxy need to be a very good team, um, you know, this year. So just sort of keep that in mind. Doesn't that look like Manhattan? Uh, I guess. I mean, it's a bar chart. Every bar chart looks like New York, doesn't it? Well, the other one looked kind of like San Diego. Okay. Maybe so, it's because it's more colorful. Okay. Maybe. Well, I don't know what this one would be then. If you were looking at LA Ooh. Galaxy goals and sort of where they're at, 17 goals for, 15 goals against, so plus two on the differential. We'll switch quickly over to the next chart that sort of gives us our goal prediction. So through 10 games, the LA Galaxy have scored 17, conceded 15, which gives them, if we project out through 34 games, scoring about 57.8 goals. Uh, and then the defensive goals in terms of them giving up is right around 51. Uh, so we can sort of go back and look at that. And if you look around 60 goals puts them in actually pretty rare L.A. Galaxy um, area outside of 1998 that had 85. Only a couple teams have ever crested a 60 goal season. 2018 was one of them with Zlatan. 2014 was one of them with 69 goals. Um, other than that, those are sort of the ones that have crested 60. Right now, the LA Galaxy are in a really good spot in terms of the goals that they're scoring. Goals they're giving up, however, if, we, if we're right around the 50 mark, um, I think we're at 51. Uh, you can sort of see the average is 41 uh, across all LA Galaxy seasons, and 51 would still be a pretty significant can't give uh, by the LA Galaxy. They need to improve that. Need to get that number net more into the 40s. So 45, 47, um, you know, the 30s would be great. But, you know, you're already at seven. You're already at 15. You're already halfway there and you're only a third of the way through the season, Kevin. So that's asking probably a bit much uh, for the LA Galaxy as they as they go through here. But uh, that's one of the areas that we have to see sort of if they can improve because it's one of the big improvement points um, for the LA galaxy. Uh, the last chart that I have is the points per month, which I think I always think, I don't know. I just like the way it looks, um, you know, go undefeated through April. They lose twice in May. Um, if you look at that, the three losses, the LA galaxy have two are to Seattle and one was a 10 man Portland team, um, which by the way, they were playing very good in the first half whenever that happened. Uh, so we have a points per game of three in April, 1.8 in May with the two losses then they make it through June to just had three games with a 2.0 points per game, which sort of gives them that 2.1 points per game that we're at right now. So that's, that's all the stats I sort of had. Kevin, I wanted to get to you though. And, and just, again, let's focus a little on international absences and sort of gold cup and where we think you talked earlier to Greg Vanny and he sort of expected three players to be gone um, for gold cup. And for sort of, I think some of this international break, we know that, um, Jonathan Dos Santos and Efrain Alvarez are training in Southern California with the Mexican national team. And at least, Correct. at least the, uh, the post I think we saw from the LA galaxy is that they're training for their friendlies. W what's going on with Mexico? Cause you have a better grasp on that. All that. Well, uh, Jonathan Chicharito will not be called up. At least that's the word. As we're talking here Monday night, he will not be called up despite the fact he leads the league in goals and Mexico right now they're missing Alan Polito could be missing. They're missing JJ Macias. Uh, they're missing, uh, um, uh, Raul Jimenez still recovering from that fractured skull. They need some scores, but the problem with Chicharito as hot as he is, he's 33. Uh, and I think Mexico had the second oldest team in the last world cup. They need to get younger. And I think the gold cup is where, uh, Tato Martino wants to look at some of the younger players. So, I, I, th I think that's where Chicharito is sort of the odd man out. Now, uh, we know that uh, um, Efrain Alvarez has been called up, Jonathan Dos Santos. They're training with the team. There is a friendly on Saturday, as we mentioned, at the Coliseum. 
after that game or just before that game, actually, because that rosters are due, uh, I believe Friday, Mexico has to cut it down to their world cup or their gold cup roster. I don't know. I'm not absolutely hundred percent sure. Jonathan makes that roster because of the injury concerns. Right. I think Efrain does for a couple of reasons. One is, as we mentioned, Mexico needs to get younger. Efrain Alvarez is a teenager, not guaranteed a spot on the team, but I think Tata Martino wants to get a good look at him. The other thing is, uh, Tato Martino, I talked to him last week as well. He said Efrain is 100% ours, meaning Mexican, on the Mexican national team. He said, I took him on a tour last year. He he is part of our present. He's part of our future. We're going to use him now. We're going to use him then. Um, the rule is, uh, because Efrain Alvarez played in the U-17 World Cup for Mexico, which is a FIFA-recognized competition, uh, he is not technically cap-tied to Mexico, but if he wants to play for the U.S. where he's eligible to play, he needs to ask for a change of association. He still has the opportunity to do that. He's played one game for the senior national team. He played nine minutes in a friendly in Arlington, Texas in March, I believe. He has to play four games total plus at least one competitive game. So if he plays three, if he plays that friendly on Saturday, that's two games. If he plays two games in the Gold Cup, that's four with a competitive game. Then he cannot play for the U.S. It's right. all over. Okay. So that's why I think we're going to see – I think we see him play Saturday a little bit, and I think we see him play a couple of the first games in group play in the, in the Gold Cup. He's cap-tied. They don't have to worry about that anymore. I, I, and I think Efrain has hinted at that. I think he said earlier, kind of cryptically, I've already made my decision. Right. It'll be apparent soon. Well, it's apparent now. I mean, do we think, you know, with Gold Cup coming up, do we think that Sebastian Legette – I think we've sort of said no on Legette, but maybe yes on Araujo? I, I think no one legit. I think uh, possibly yes on Araujo. I, I think when Greg Vanny said three, I think he was forgetting a couple of people because I think Efrain is going to go. I don't. Maybe he knows Jonathan isn't. Right. I think Harvey definitely goes. Right. I think people goes. Right. And then uh, uh, Sebastian Legette, they're saving him for World Cup qualifier. But why not call Araujo up? Uh, you know, the U.S. is in the same position as Mexico. They don't need to get younger, but they need to audition some young players. Araujo was with the Olympic team. Uh, Greg Berhalter has not gotten a great look at him. He's seen him a little bit. I think he'd like to see him play in that Gold Cup. So I think Araujo goes as well. So that gets you to four or five players from the Galaxy that are going to be playing in the Gold Cup. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And so uh, that's coming up rapidly as we, as we approach the Gold Cup. The LA Galaxy have a break, about a 10-day break. Um, between July 7th and I think July 17th is the, is the break there. But um, Gold Cup's still going to be going on for that, so people but, are going to be missing games. But that break, uh, that comes, the break, I think, comes right after group play. So if you say Pan, if you say uh, that Har Harvey plays for Panama, right? If yeah. Panama's eliminated, he comes back. Right. Costa Rica's eliminated, people comes back. Um, so you'd be missing, you know, players to Mexico and the U.S. Araujo and Efrain Alvarez would still be gone. That's sort of the expectation. Maybe one of those teams will get bounced early and uh, and they'll get back too. I think for the LA Galaxy side of things, they're going to be missing some players. I think with some of the players that are, are also leaving, like Grant Sear, going back to see his child and coming back too. That's, I mean, as we approach this game against Sporting Kansas City, and certainly uh, there's supposed to be a media availability coming up on Thursday. So the LA Galaxy, I think we're off today. Uh, they're back training. They did regen on Sunday as they normally do. Um, and now let's see if I got that correct. Uh, let's see. Monday, this team is off. So they're going to be off on Tuesday as well. Um, and then Wednesday, they're back to training. Thursday, we have uh, media availability. So we'll be able to ask some of those questions about who's available who's not international and we should get that cleared up as the week goes as well um so we'll get that also with uh uh ravelison uh we're going to try that pronunciation for a little while see how we no, king julius just go with king that's why yeah. i did that yes. you think you're making fun of me i i, I 
I'm aware I can't say the name, so he's King Julius. I, I, I knew that you were hiding that 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 particular <laughs> deficiency in, in, your, in your speaking. That's why you're a writer, right? You can spell it. You just don't have to say it. I can spell it, exactly. <laughs> you know, I can spell Ibrahimovic from memory. I just can't say it. That's perfect. Okay, good. Um, by the way, he's coming out with a movie, right? We were talking about that as well. Apparently, there's a big yeah, Swedish debut. Yeah, it looks really debut. good. Yeah. The, the guy who plays the teenage Ibra looks just like him. <laughs> it's going to... I think that'll be fine. I think we also said that there's going to be English subtitles. We saw some English. Yeah, so I, we're hoping I, I, it's available the, to us. Yeah, in the promo, there were English subtitles. We so. should do like a Corner of the Galaxy watch party with that. That would be that would be fun. Um, reminding everybody, keep July 31st open um, that afternoon, evening. On the Ebra movie, do they even have his MLS days? Yeah, It's based on his book, which was written before, long before. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they should have his MLS days because then he gets to go back to AC Milan, you know, the hero guy that uh, he always likes to be as well. So, um, yeah, maybe there's some of that. Uh, standings and schedule, let's get you through that as well. Um, 7.30 p.m. coming up, Kansas City. I'm told, by the way, I think kickoff is actually 7.30, but I think that's going to change. So think about 7.38. Usually when it's a Spectrum game, kickoff is 7.38. Just giving you a heads up. What uh, happens after the game? Uh, fireworks, apparently, although you and I would never have never seen them. So I don't know why we would think we've heard them. We've heard them many times, but we never get to see them. Um, so that, and then they'll play host FC Dallas, uh, that, uh, that I think that Thursday is July 7th. Um, and so they'll host, uh, FC Dallas. Um, and then they go back to quote unquote Vancouver, which is Rio Tinto stadium on July 17th. Uh, that's the game that sort of pulls them back. Then they play at RSL a couple days later, four days later, which we don't think they're going to go home for. So they'll do that July 21st. Uh, July then goes to FC Dallas on the 24th and then home on July 30th, uh, where they host the Portland Timbers a ton of games in July. It's a six game month and there's a 10 day break in there. You know, they should stay in, in Salt Lake, Sandy, Utah, but the four days between games, I mean, the carbon footprint of flying back and forth. I, I think that they are a socially and uh, uh, environmentally conscious team. I think they'll stay there. Electric airplanes are coming, Kevin. You wait. It's it's coming. Um, I've been I've been watching. I've been paying attention. So um, that's sort of where we sit with the LA Galaxy. I think that wraps up everything that we wanted to talk about with the LA Galaxy and, and sort of get that. Um, there is unless do you have any other LA Galaxy stuff that you want to talk about, Kevin? We have I had any LA Galaxy stuff yet? Uh, no, but I just Not much. I was hoping yeah. that if you had something in your back pocket, this was your chance to redeem yourself for this show. You've, no you've, pockets. You've sort of been a passenger on this one. By really. the way, in that little picture down there, how come I'm wearing shorts? You've uh, never seen me in shorts. I don't know. I mean, I imagine they were trying to make you look taller. That was that was my thing. If you had pants on, <laughs> they got the hair right. The hair is perfect. They, okay, good. Just checking. Uh, that's today. Um, I want to get to something serious before we go. Um, not something that we like to do, but certainly um, I think in this case, it's it's very appropriate. Uh, Riot Squadcast, obviously we know about the podcasts that surround the LA Galaxy and Ed and Chris have been doing the Riot Squadcast for a long time now and do a great job and I've always enjoyed uh, them and I enjoy Ben as well and and Ben's going through some tough time right now so if you're a fan of producer Ben um, I, I'd hope you'd reach out and sort of uh, and, and talk to him right now because his family's going through a tough time we've they put out a statement Riot, Riot Squadcast put out a tweet today and I'm not trying to step on him I just want to make the LA Galaxy family aware that there are other LA Galaxy family members who are struggling right now um, Ben's wife uh, was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and basically the uh, the information that 
was put out today is that she's she's not going to win that battle. Um, and so uh, Ben is rightfully stepping away from the podcast for a little bit. Um, and I know Ed and Chris will figure it out. And if not, I'm, I'm here to help them however we can if we need to. If, if I, I can help produce as well, if, if they need that for a little while while, while Ben deals with some of the stuff. Um, ben says, I love producing the show and it's truly been a refuge for me the last few months. However, now is the time for me to spend as much time as is physically possible with the love of my life. So um, I, I went uh, and recorded with Ben and uh, and Ed and Chris uh, a while ago. And Ben has a wonderful setup at his house. And it's a lot of fun to sort of go on the back and do that. And I did get to meet his wife for a couple minutes. And, and while I don't know her well, um, everything that I've heard Ben say about her makes her uh, an absolutely wonderful person. Um, so keep uh, keep Ben and his family in your thoughts. Um, send them a message if you can um, on Twitter uh, just to try to keep their spirits up because uh, quite honestly, thinking about my family, uh, it, uh, it certainly hit home that how quickly things can change for, for everybody. So um, so Ben, um, I love you, buddy. I hope you, uh, I hope, uh, you can find your way through this at all and uh, enjoy every single second that you have uh, with the rest of your family. And, and whenever you get back, the LA Galaxy family, I'm sure will be here uh, willing and ready to uh, to welcome you back, but obviously give you as much time as you need. So, um, yeah, that was sort of sort of my little thing. I don't know if you want to add anything, Kevin, but I, I just wanted to make sure everybody sort of knew what was going on there because um, it, it's heartbreaking. Um, yeah, I mean, it really puts soccer in perspective, and you, and then you think about how long the last year and a half has been. It seems like a decade and a half. Finally coming out of that, and she was diagnosed with cancer, I believe, early this year. So, yeah, she, just as COVID is winding down. Yeah, no. she, she's battled back and forth on it um, for for some time, and so it was just um, yeah, it was it, it's not fun. So anyway, don't mean to be a be a downer. I'll tell you this, um, just as sort of a separate side. Uh, one of our listeners, Kevin, uh, had some really amazing seats, um, and he contacted me. Uh, and I didn't ask if I could use his name, so I'll just keep him sort of quiet. Uh, he contacted me and said, hey, I have these two seats. They're in section 110. They have access to the Champions Lounge. I can't use them, you know, coming up on Sunday. Do you have do you, would you like to use them for something? I'm like, well, you could sell those and get a whole bunch of money. He's like, I don't need the money. Do you know anybody who's had a tough time, you know, through the pandemic or anything like that, that maybe we could give these to? Um, and so uh, we have another listener and uh, who I've known for a very long time who lost his dad to COVID. Um, and so I was able to hook those up so that way that could happen. But I mean, such an amazing thing for this listener to do and helped out one of our other listeners as well. Um, the, the galaxy community, the galaxy family is on display constantly. And these things are not rare. This happens all the time, but, uh, you know, at least for me, I'm thankful for it because we get to be a part of it. Kevin, we get to live in and around it. Our listeners are part of our family. Um, and so we hope everybody is doing well. And if you can help people out, help people out because, uh, the feelings that, that, uh, that happen whenever you can help somebody out. I just, I love helping people out. It's one of my favorite things that this sort of uh, platform allows me to do is to, to get people in those experiences and things that maybe they wouldn't have, um, in any other place. And so we're gonna, we're gonna do that. So good job well, to our like listener. COVID separated everybody, but then it brought everyone closer together too. I mean, I just feel like the, the, the ambience is a little bit different now that people are coming back together. Everyone's friendlier. Everyone's looking out for one another. Um, it's a little different than it was before. Unless you're on an airplane, those people are crazy. Um, everybody who travels right now is absolutely... Yeah, don't, don't open the door when you're taxiing down the runway. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not good. Um, by the way, uh, Super says, I do the Lord's work, not me. Um, other amazing people, super awesome people do this, and I just can play. If I can point something, um, you know, I can do it. Uh, Alex, Alex in the chat room, by the way, says we should do something for Ben. Alex, come up with something 
something, you can hit me up on an email. I will help do whatever we think we can do for Ben or for his family or anything else. So um, I'm, I'm 100% here. And by the way, the Riot Squadcast has amazing listeners. I'm sure they're doing the same thing. And I know a lot of our listeners are their listeners as well. I don't pretend that, you, you know, and nobody listens to anything else. I would want you to listen to everybody else's podcast as well. Um, this is an amazing podcast community. We were not, we were the only one for so long that I'm happy that there's seven or eight or nine or however many there are now in all sorts of different forms. So go out and support those podcasts as well. Um, and I'm sure they're doing amazing things. But um, yeah, that's where we sit. Uh, a little downer maybe to, to end the show, but I wanted to make sure everybody sort of uh, knew where where everything was with that and obviously send our best to Ben and his uh, his, his family. So, uh, Kevin, anything else you want to get to? Yeah, or? what does that shirt say? My This shirt says... Uh, Tamaya. It was. Uh, I went to a conference in New Mexico, um, and this was a shirt there, and I wanted to buy one, so I did. I, I like. Well, I am really sorry I asked that question. Yeah, it's not exciting. I mean, you know, no. if you want to listen to people go talk about r- large refrigerated buildings, that's the conference I was at. So, I mean, it was a real barn burner. Um, but right next to the Santa Fe River uh, was this resort. It was gorgeous um, in the desert, obviously, um, but really gorgeous. And it was a good conference. But yeah, it was a while ago. That was, was pre COVID. That was in New Mexico? It was in New Mexico, yeah. Do not ride a hot air balloon there. Yeah, why, why not? There was a big accident this weekend. Hot oh. air balloon. Five people killed when it ran into a, a power line. Aren't you just a ray of freaking sunshine, Kevin? Yeah. Jeez, oh man. All right. We're, you know what? That's it. We're, that's where that's I can't I can't handle any more of this. All right, if you're looking for uh, for Kevin, why you would I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, don't don't <laughs> don't do Stop. it. Stop. Please don't. But if you're looking for Kevin at kbaxter11 on Twitter and head over to latimes.com, Kevin's departing for the Olympics soon. Uh, we're gonna try to do the show from Tokyo and here, and God only knows how that's gonna work. So keep your fingers crossed for that. But we're planning on doing it. So we'll uh, we'll see that in Kevin Bon Voyage here in about 17 days, 18 days, 20 days, something like that. You're gone. So we'll we'll see you whenever you're on the other side of the ocean in the future. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com, YouTube, cornerofthegalaxy.com, iTunes, cornerofthegalaxy.com, anywhere you want, Corner of the Galaxy. Go ahead and search it. All right. Uh, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. Wishing you a very happy Monday. We'll catch you on Thursdays. We get you ready for SKC and the 4th of July. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening. And we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.